0: what do I really want to do? What do I want my impact to be? And I started thinking about my family. So I don't have children, but I have nieces and nephews. And you know, at the time I, my grandparents and my mom was still living. And I said, you know, I what could I really do if I really want to be impactful?
1: Welcome to another episode of the Traffic Sales and Profit Show. My name is Lamar Tyler. I'm your host. And today I'm joined by Janine Brown from Everyday Lead. She's a the CEO and founder, but has an amazing backstory about her journey from the perfect corporate career to becoming an entrepreneur. And then on the entrepreneur side, I want to talk about how she does it, right? Selling the corporations, the companies, the B2B, business to business that so many of you may have thought about but been afraid of or thought that you didn't have what you needed to actually do it but we're about to find out. What's going on, Janine? Hey, good?
0: so good to be here.
1: Yeah, and thank you for being on. I'm excited mm-hmm. to have you here.
0: I am honored to be asked. I feel like I made it, Lamar. <laughs> I made it, so if nobody knows, I'm telling you today, I made
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> right, there we go, right. I feel like this is gonna be our most popular episode ever. I'm speaking it into existence. <laughs> I love it. All right, so um, we have a lot of people watching that are working corporate, that are working the nine to five. And sometimes, I know one of the uh, barriers or hurdles is the further you get up, the harder you may think it is to leave, right? Mm-hmm. And lots of times, even the people around you are like, you know, you must be crazy. Like, I thought that's what the goal was. You get close to the goal and things change. Um, I wanna know about your backstory. Like, like, you know, what was your corporate career before this and then what made you make that transition?
0: I remember being 25 years old and someone asked me if I would ever wanna own a business and I was like, no, I don't ever wanna do that. <laughs> I want to be a corporate executive. No lie. Like, I never even imagined the possibilities of business ownership. So, like you said, I had a successful corporate career. Every role I ever was in, I moved up really quickly. I was making a significant amount of money at a very young age and loved what I was doing. And like you said, it was like the applause from the fans, Mm -hmm. right? My mother was like, she ain't never got to ask me for money (laughs) again. And I, I was... I loved it. I really loved wearing the suits, the, the heels, being in the meetings, sitting at the tables. and I never imagined myself doing anything else. And so I was on a fast track to make partner at Deloitte and um, had significant amount of sport and support and sponsorship. Was on all the right clients, the best clients. I was the and go-to this is person. Accounting. This is an accounting. And for so people I, who
1: don't know, Deloitte is a, if like you want to be global. Like, if you want to be an accountant, it's one like of the that's one of your, your wish lists
0: that yes. hey, I would like to work for Deloitte one day. Yes, right? I want to work for Deloitte. And even my professors was like, Janine is at Deloitte. She's doing this, right? <laughs> I would meet students at conferences in the accounting finance space, and they was like, Oh, you're Janine Brown. Dr. <laughs> so So-and-so talks about you all the time. So when you think about making it in your corporate career, right? I had a brand and celebrity mm. as a in a corporate career. And I will say this, I think people, there are a lot of people who do need to work for companies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, entrepreneurship isn't for everybody. Correct. Um, but I think if you can be a really good employee, I think your success probably, you probably can speak to this, right? If you were really good as an employee, strategic and coming up with ideas and quick to solve problems, you probably will make a good business owner.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I and think- I tell people all the time, is one of my favorite sayings, is that A players are A players. And a lot of people think I can be a C player at work. And then I'm gonna start my own thing and be an A player over there.
0: You're gonna be an F player (laughs) in your own thing.
1: Hey, somebody make a note of that. uh, My new thing is (laughs) A players are A players and C players are F players when they become entrepreneurs. But that's good because in corporate, there are like so many rails around you to kind of keep you on track.
0: mm -hmm. So much support, so many systems. But when you're entrepreneurship, you just out in these streets. You gotta create that thing on your own. And I think I didn't really even know a lot of true Business owners, right? When I heard entrepreneurship, I heard struggle. Mm. Um, but like real business owners, and then I probably also thought they were different than anything that I could do. Mm. But what I did know was a lot of people who was really successful in their careers, and I had all these successful friends, yeah. right? So most of my friends were either accountants or attorneys, a few doctors, right? So they were what. Back in the day, we used to call it a cream of the crop, right? Mm-hmm. They were very fortunate to go down this path, um, but they were good. And so I wanted to be in that space where they were. And it was a lot of prestige, right? To be saying, oh, I work on Delta. I work on Coca-Cola. I work, you know, I'm doing work for Procter & Gamble. I'm flying back and forth to New York and California yeah. and all of these things, right? Which was a lot of work, but you know, it is you do create this kind of pathway for yourself where you think that's that's the end game, right? Because you a lot of people in that space, Lamar, have created generational wealth in these high performing roles. But it ain't everybody, right? We still got a lot of people who don't make that kind of money. So it was hard to walk away. Them shackles of high compensation and bonuses. And if you work in the private sector, you might be getting you know, stock options and equity yeah. in some of these companies. So it's hard to walk away.
1: This is We did an interview with Ashley Kirkwood and mm-hmm. she was telling me as a lawyer at this firm, she worked with all the benefits and bonuses she got. Mm-hmm. So my first question was like, they still hiring. And like, <laughs> what my qualifications need to be? Because I'm like, I don't get that stuff
0: now. My so. bonus used to be more than what my mother made wow. every year. Right, wow. You can walk away. Some people, and if you're on the sales side, you might be getting a six-figure bonus. You could be making $75,000 as a base for a salary, but your bonus is 120000 $150,000 a year. And if you're in finance, it could be a $200,000 bonus. Right. There are people walking around right now that you don't even know are millionaires um, because their bonuses are putting them over the top. Um, and so it's hard to walk away from that and say, oh, I'm gonna just take my little money and start a business. So what was it? Was it like a defining moment?
1: Was it just a gradual transition? Like what made you say, okay, I'm moving up the corporate ladder. Cause it weren't like you were stagnant either, right? I'm moving up the corporate ladder. Um, things are going the way
0: I dreamed they would go, but I want to take this different path. I was a reluctant business owner. I did it out of, a little out of frustration, um, some ego. And the ego part came when I was uh, working with a partner, and clients were circumventing her to talk to me. Mm. She was problematic. She, they, she, she wasn't following through. She, you know, she just, she was problematic. And I realized, wait a minute, she's making like one point five million dollars a year, and I'm only hold, making hold up, say, <laughs> say what? Yeah, one point five a year. A year. But the clients, CEOs, and COs mm-hmm. and plant managers are calling my cell phone, wanting to for me to be the solution to their issue, and literally saying, "Lamar, don't tell her." I-
1: Just not want to deal with it at all.
0: They want to deal with her, and I was like, "Wait a minute, what is going on here?" And I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I loved that work that I was doing. So I was doing economic development work at the time, mm-hmm. and so. I was negotiating with cities and county governments to get cash and buildings and training stuff. People don't, regular folks don't even know what's happening mm-hmm. out here. Um, and I loved it. So city officials knew who I was. I was state officials. I was negotiating on, on behalf of my clients. We were walking land, talking about buildings and all of this stuff. And I was like, I could do this myself. Mm because she's again making 1.5 million. I'm making 200 and something, then getting some bonuses, but no. Mm. And I literally was like, I'm not gonna do this anymore. And I had stacked a lot of cash. So I was like, okay, maybe this is a time for me to be a little bit more reflective and figure out really what I want. Also, the accounting industry had changed a lot. Like regulations, had, we we were highly regulated at the time. The federal government was just a lot of oversight. The industry was changing, firms were consolidating. Um, it was just real, a lot of turbulence. And I was like, I don't need this.
1: So tell me about when you make that mental decision, because you always gotta make the mental decision before the physical decision happening. Yeah. Um, when you made the middle decision, okay, I'm gonna step out on my own, what were the first things that you did? You talked about, you had cash stacked up. Um, but like, what were, the, what were the first steps you took? Do not do what I ju- I'm about to share. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> disclaimer, I need y'all. Like, let's, let's go to me. Let's run like a small disclaimer at the bottom of the screen, right?
0: Do not do what do Janine do is this. about to advise you to do. Right, so I went down to Hilton Head and hung out for a little bit. <laughs> I did, I got in my car, drove down to Hilton Head, and I hung out with a bunch of white folks playing tennis. <laughs> and really, and then I started thinking about, like, what do I really want to do? What do I want my impact to be? And I started thinking about my family. So I don't have children, but I have nieces and nephews. And, you know, at the time, my, my grandparents and my mom was still living. And I said, you know, I what could I really do if I really mm-hmm. want to be impactful? I actually started interviewing at competing firms. And the partners at those firms kept telling me, Janine, you ain't going to stay here long. You don't want to work for nobody. Mm. Like, you can do this on your own. They saw it in you. They wouldn't even hire me. Mm. (laughs) They would not give me a job. Um, And so I put a strategy together. And what I did was I stayed in the space that I was an expert in. And I started doing economic development on my own. And it was hard at first. The first six months I was doing stuff for nonprofits and things like that. Ain't no money there. And I like money. Mm -hmm. Um, And I ended up negotiating with a manufacturing company here in Norcross. And I got a half a million dollar engagement with them. It was half a million dollars every year for five years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Plus, we would do like this calculation where we would that would be our base. And depending on how many incentives we got based on cash and all this stuff, then we get bonuses on top of that. So I stayed in the space that I was an expert in. Mm -hmm. So there was no overhead for me because it was consultative and I started working out of my home. Most of my clients, we had office space in their buildings. Mm -hmm. So we negotiated that, if you need us there. And it was great because we were working so close with the executives in the organization. Even when we traveled to their other locations, we were on the company's private jet. You know, I was living life even better mm-hmm. um, than I was then. But I think the plan for me was staying in a space that I was I had expertise in. I had a network in. I had proven qualifications, yeah. um, and that worked. Uh, I, I would say, but I, I did it without a plan. And I don't advise that to anybody. Fortunately, I was able to rev up really quickly.
1: Anything you would change about that time?
0: Yeah, I would have had you? a better plan.
1: And you think you just would have, even though you had success, you just would have had more success? I
0: would have had more success. I would have had a better plan. I would have scaled up my team much faster, like looking at who do I need to bring in. I would have more automations and systems in place, right? All the things that I do now for the company that I currently own, um, I would have done a lot more different. I would have had better marketing. And also, Lamar, this was long before there was Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. TikTok, social media, right? Having a website was golden. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't even have that starting off, but I did realize that you sometimes don't need all of those things yep. because then we hunker down and trying to you know, get all of that perfect, and then we're not out selling our businesses and our services.
1: I love it all the time, right? And, that, and that's the important part, selling our businesses and services, um, which is a perfect segue, right? Yeah. And you're the perfect person. And, and I loved you talked about that because I think too many times, like you said, people get caught up on You know, I can't go ahead and make money because my my website ain't done Mm -hmm. or my website ain't perfect or I don't have the business cards or all of the things. When really people ain't, I mean, they're looking at that stuff, but really the main thing looking at is do you got a
0: solution for the problem that we got and how can you help us? Right. And what about you makes you uniquely qualified to solve that problem? Mm. And I I think that's the biggest challenge. When people think about doing business with companies, part of the reasons they have challenges is they don't know what the solution is Mm. that their product or their service can answer or solve for that client. And you can't create business, right? They get caught up, in, I don't want to be a salesman. They bring all these limiting beliefs right. to it. Um, you know, they always want to drag car salesmen. Do y'all know how much money car salesmen make? <laughs> <laughs> they make right, a good one. Right. right, they, you know, they want to. They come back to all of this, you know, um, these ideas about selling and building a business with corporations that stop them from taking action. Mm.
1: When you talk to people. Um, that say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing B2B, or I want to know more about doing B2B. Uh, what's some of the big misconceptions you think they often have?
0: That nobody wants to talk to them. They don't know how to find a contact within a company. Um, they don't. They don't know how to how to get the information they need, and that it's going to be hard. Mm. And people don't want to do the hard things but there's so much reward behind the hard stuff, right. right? And if you're not talking to people about your business, I'm always wondering, are you really running a business? Because mm. right? you can't be in places and never talk about your business, right? If I spend an hour in a room, on an airplane, in a car, a ride share, somebody gonna know I own this company. Mm. But I, I see people all the time sitting on planes, like why why not talk to the person next to you? Cuz you never know who they are. The last flight I was on Lamar, I was sitting next to a woman who's an executive for a company here in Atlanta. And somehow we started talking about work and why we were on the flight. I told her where I was going and what I was going to be talking about. And the first thing she said was, "We're trying to deal we're dealing with that every day at work." Wow. That's good. And I told her that before I said I was the founder and the CEO of this business. I said, our team is doing this. Her team is trying to solve for the problem. So guess who ended up having lunch with her when I got back to Atlanta? Me.
1: You changed my life. I'm going to start talking to people. You You, got to. You'd be ashamed of me.
0: I'm the, <laughs>
1: I'm the dude in the window <laughs> with your eyes closed <laughs> sleep
0: like as soon as that thing take off. I'm, thinking, I'm missing money on the plane. you missing money on and the plane. And I'm on planes, planes all the time. you missing money on the flight. Mm. And especially if you're sitting in the front half of the plane. Yeah. That's where all the business is. Class, it's classy up. in the front half. It is. You know what I'm saying? They give you glassware. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was about to uh, uh, make a few slanderous claims against <laughs> certain airlines. But just in case one of, one of the sponsors the show went down. We I'm going
0: to I'm going to keep it clean. I'm going to keep
1: it clean. Y'all had to guess who I'm, who I'm okay. thinking about.
0: Yeah, but talk to people about your business, wherever you are. Mm,
1: that's, that's good. It. So um, so I know a lot of times, you know, people think uh, one of the things that I hear is, is they think it's so different. Um and it's people that successfully sell to consumers all the time. But they just like, I think it's this fear around selling to corporate, corporations. Yeah. And I'm always saying, I'm like, well, corporations are made up of people
0: too, right? Yeah. Um, so, like, do you. And they get paid to solve problems. Mm. Think about that. If you're on the other end of the phone, no matter where you sit HR, sales, operations, accounting, finance your job, they hired you to be a problem solver. Right? You're evaluating, your goals are success-based goals to solve problems for organizations. So what we do is provide training, executive coaching, and DEI strategies uh-huh. to companies. Um, and if I'm talking to someone in LD and and they are telling me, oh, we can design that ourselves. We have a team of facilitators, a team of um, content designers. I tell them all the time why we do it better, but I tell them in a way like, "Hey, well, we can help you do it better. Mm-hmm. We can help you solve problems faster for your clients." One, it's five of y'all, and y'all have twenty five thousand employees all across the con- all across the world. There's no way you can do it because they're quick to tell you, "Oh, we can do it ourselves."
1: Yeah, so right? it's kind of just making them aware without making them feel bad. <laughs> it sounds like a dance, right? Yeah. Like making them aware without making
0: them feel bad them feel and then showing bad. that you got a better solution. Yeah. That can make them more successful. To make them more successful. And part of that is you got to understand who you're talking to on the phone. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of times that requires slowing down. It requires a little research. It requires relationship building. Um, and I think that's the big part that a lot of people are afraid of. It's like, I don't know how to talk to these people. But like you said, they're just... Regular people too, trying to keep their jobs and come up with solutions for organizations that will help their help them get to the, their ultimate goal is to be what
1: profitable. That's good. So you talked about, um, you know, people not knowing who to talk to, mm-hmm. right? Who should I talk to? Who's the position? Who the person? How do I get in contact with them? Like, like if somebody's watching, they're one of those same type of things. Like, what's the path they should? Look at it. What are things they should be doing, and try to find out the right person to talk to inside this company. So
0: there's a combination of things. Um, Free, go to LinkedIn. If you're not building your relationships with people on LinkedIn, I think that's the key. I know a lot of people have a lot of different ideas about what LinkedIn is and how to use it, but people are there. They tell you their name. They tell you the company that they work for. Right, and it's really easy to find how to get in t- touch with them. You can call reception and just ask for them that you're gonna get patched through. Nobody's gonna say, well, who are you? Why do you need to <laughs> talk to them? That receptionist is gonna say, oh, one moment please, and pass you right onto that person's phone. Um, they Sometimes even their email address is there. And there are services out there to tell you, like you can buy a service or even find a service that can give you the email configurations for an organization. Uh-huh. And then you can just slide a name email in their inbox and start communicating with them. It's really easy to find people now because the world is open to letting you know who they are. And I, I'll tell you, a lot of people are willing to talk to you. They wanna to talk to people.
1: Now I know somebody saying, can't be true. Because I know people's natural thing is that like, hey, nobody want to talk to you, nobody want to answer the phone or answer your email or whatever. Um, but you're saying it's not necessarily the case.
0: I don't think it's necessarily the case. I think what we bring is this whole street mentality, no new friends, right? <laughs> <laughs> we like, no new friends. Um, but no, I think people do. They want to be able to share what their companies are up to. Now, some people get a lot of calls. And I think you need to be realistic about who you should be targeting. Everybody wants those big brand names, but there are organizations whose names you don't know. That could use your products and services. They have budgets too. Like, we all want to work for the Deltas, the Coca-Cola's, you know, all these, yeah. the UPS, all of these big brands that are in Atlanta that I've just named. Like, everybody wants to work for them. So, they might be getting a lot of calls. They might have a tighter screening process. It might be harder to get those people on the phone or to respond to your emails. But that second tier of companies, because mm. there are millions of companies in this, That's a good in, point. in the United States.
1: And and I was imagine on the, on the um the the tier down it's probably easier to get to top people
0: yeah.
1: than the, like you ain't talking to CEO of Coke I don't care yeah it's gonna be hard <laughs> you know how many calls or whatever but but you might be able to land on the desk of a CEO of one of these like mid tier companies yeah. or at least like somebody in leadership
0: yeah let me tell you something else
1: you you just hey if you're listening I want you to think about this our community needs you so if I need you to grow your business it's only one way for you to do it and make it happen and that is what TSP Propel. TSP Propel is like Netflix for black entrepreneurs. It's a go at your own pace, self-study system of over 50 plus courses. In addition, we give you resources and templates to execute faster. And we're gonna do monthly calls with my coaches to make sure you get everything you need and get your questions answered. For more information, visit www.tsppropel.com.
0: Saying you might not get to the CEO of Coca-Cola. The CFO of Coca-Cola was my mentor. Kathy, Kathy Waller before she retired, and I still have a relationship with her, still call her. How did I meet Kathy Waller? I met Kathy Waller through a professional association, um, the National Association of Black Accountants that I was a member of since I was a student. This is what people don't do. They don't network. Mm-hmm. They don't join professional organizations where their ideal client is. You got to be out here sometimes in the streets building these relationships with people in environments where there's not so much pressure, where you're sitting next to them in a meeting, you're sitting next to them at dinner, you're having drinks with them at a reception. Um, that's really how I built my network. Mm. And it sounds like
1: nurturing it too, right? Like nurturing it. You said like, hey, over the years, not just like, hey... What can you do for me right now? Oh, nothing, throw you away, but to continue continuation mm-hmm. and nurturing that down the line and right. staying connected.
0: So I can pick up the phone and call someone like her or other executives that I know. Maybe I'm not doing business with them, but I could say, hey, who do you know? Do you know anybody? This is what our company's doing. I'm trying to get in this organization. Do you know someone? One of my close girlfriends is an executive with the New York Times. And people's like, why is she doing business with them? Because I don't really want to but her network, I want. Mm -hmm. So I spend time with her like, hey, let's talk about these other companies. Do you know anybody here at these organizations in New York? Because I want to get into doing more business here. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you might not want to work at your friend's company, right? You want to keep that relationship a little sacred. Um, Even if you do good work, right? Because anything could happen. Um, But she knows other people. She knows other CHROs. She knows other people that I can talk to. So no. and you can't get referrals if you don't know nobody.
1: That's true. <laughs> so um let's talk about uh, uh the actual sales portion. Okay. So we got the lead, we find people, we connect through LinkedIn, um, network networking relationships, whatever it may be, right? Uh, uh, warm referrals. Um like like what does the sales structure normally look like if I'm trying to sell to companies and corporations?
0: So there's a lot of ways to do that. So so you gotta one, understand your customer journey, right? So when you're bringing someone into your organization, your product or your service, what do you, what are they going to experience and what services do you have um, when you bring them in? You gotta know at what point they're coming in. So like I said, we have three services that we offer. We want to be able to make sure our clients can, we can touch our clients with all three services, okay? not just one. And we had a bad habit of saying, a bad habit of only doing this one thing so we only do executive coaching but we're not talking to people about training so the first thing we had to do is really get clear about how a company can walk through all of our services annually year after year after year right so we can touch the entire ecosystem of their organization so that's the first to me the first part of the sales structure Mm -hmm. is understanding what your business can do and how your customer is going to experience it. Yeah. The second part is getting them on the phone or getting an in person meeting, and you have to be a good question asker and okay. a good question listener too. I do say li-
1: listener too, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So you got to
0: be able to ask the questions and be able to listen. And I don't right. think people build those skills. That is a set. That's the sales process: great. asking great questions and listening, so that you can slide in and say. Well, we can solve that problem for you. um, And this is how we'll do it. And there's some key questions that you have to know how to ask um, so that you can provide. So one, you can get the information from people. A lot of people think you got to do a lot of small talk. you got to ask about the weather. Don't nobody want to talk to you about that because you have a limited amount of time, 30 minutes at the most for most of these meetings, even in person. Um, and so you want to maximize that time and that sales process. And then, like I said, there's some key questions that you want to be able to ask people. And I, I have categories for them um, to make sure that in that sales process, you're talking people to the point where you can sell them something.
1: Mm. So really just kind of those questions what bring up um, not just the answers you need, but Mm -hmm. kind of, um, I'm assuming like, like bring up what inside of them?
0: So it brings up the answers you need basically. So one of the questions is a situational question. So you're sitting down and I'm like, Lamar, you know, it's great to be here. I know you have an amazing staff and they are performing well, but if there is something about their performance, what else do you think they would need to take them to another level? Right? So then you're gonna tell me the situation that you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah we do have this great team. Um, we got some people who are really experienced, some that are you know, early in their career. And I really want to get those early career people working a lot more independently, right? So you're yeah. telling me the situation in your organization. And then I might come back to you with, with another question, right? You've given me all this information. Yeah. And that's why listening is really important. And you don't want to jump on and say, oh, I got a solution for that. The people qu- do that all the time. And, and typically when they do that, what are they? They, they wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They come to the wrong conclusion because they're trying to come to a conclusion really quickly, Yeah. right? So then my next question would be to someone is like, well, clarify that for me, right? A clarifying question. So I will repeat back to you what you said and I would say, well, can you provide me a little bit more information about that? What kind of things do you think they will need to get them to the next level? I and mean, then you start rattling off things. Oh, I think if we can help them be a little bit more polished in their communication, mm-hmm. if if we could get them to um, be better problem solvers, right? So now you're telling me technical things they need related to their development. Right? It's so easy. And then I'm thinking, okay, we we deliver these programs. We have a communication training program or we can create one, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that's the other thing. People think they have to have everything already created, have already delivered it before, especially in professional services. Mm-hmm. And you don't. If you have the expertise on your team, you can solve the problem, tell the client, oh, we can solve this problem for you. Go back to the shop and create the solution, so. Those are some of the ways I think um, that makes it really easy. But people don't have questions that they know how to ask.
1: Uh, I love it. What would you say? Um, on, and I know it depends, right? But on average, um, selling a corporate, like what do your your sales timelines look like? Because oh. I know a lot of times, you know, if we're going to direct to consumer, you know, we might just well find somebody on the street and sell something directly to them, but we're making way less money. So with these, you know, bigger contracts, what does that sales sales timeline look like?
0: It's a slow drag dance.
1: <laughs>
0: and the reason it's a slow dance is typically the person that you're talking to, even if they're the buyer, that is not their sole responsibility in the organization. Mm. And so, the reason business development and sales is so important and it has to be an ongoing weekly process of your business is because it could take a long time. I'll give you a perfect example warm, hot lead. Mm-hmm. Somebody I know, I have known him for years. We were at a conference in Orlando, sitting at the bar, having a drink. He says, hey, Janine, these are some of the things that we want to do next year. I told him, he's like, but we definitely want to work with you. I was like, okay. Went back, you know, got back to the office, sent the proposal. We designed a whole program for them, Lamar. Uh It's a two years before we actually Mm -hmm. was on site delivering it. Two years. Most people would be like, they ain't going to do nothing, right? That whole, yeah. we bringing that the, our, that relationship street stuff that I always say into business. And some people would get tired and weary. I just kept checking in. He was like, we're going to do it. But that wasn't his key responsibility. He was a partner in a firm responsible for a whole more than this program that we were designing for their black employees. But when we delivered it, killed it. We did so well, but it was a six-figure engagement, but it took two years to close it. So I I love that. I got two questions on this,
1: or two questions slash comments. I love it because number one, always tell people that people are busy. I think so many times people get like offended mm-hmm. and they like, you know, I called this person, I emailed, they don't want it. You know, they must not be interested in it. Mm-hmm. and And they take all this personal stuff from things that ain't personal. Yep. Right, so I I love that piece.
0: This is why business owners need coaches and therapists.
1: <laughs> right, it's, it just be way too much emotion in business. Way too. Much. That's a whole other episode. Way too much emotion in business. Mm-mm. But I I love that piece because like like you said, like people literally are busy, and if that's not his priority, maybe something he has all intent on when to get done. Yeah, but it could be other fires that come up that weren't even there that night at the bar. It could be other things happening. It could be hey, this is one of the priorities, but it's priority. Mm-hmm you know six out of ten yeah and i got to do these first five first so
0: i love it now and the business might have changed they may have lost clients they the economy could change so many factors that we are not aware of but that's i think also the the responsibility of the business owner for you to know what's going on with your clients what's happening in their industry what's happening with them specifically because if you don't then you, you're not staying on top of how they do business. And so when you do reach out, you can't even address the issue that's causing their delay.
1: That's good. Now, in that process, like I said, two-year span, what does your follow-up look like? Because a lot of people say, well, you know, I want to follow up. I don't want to be pushy. You know, so like, what does your follow up look like?
0: So it's a combination of things. And typically it doesn't take two years, but that's a a, a case that could happen again. So typically it's phone calls and emails, just checking in, providing information, trying to get them on a call. Um, So it's, but it's continuous, it's routine, right? So we'll say, and it's not every week. Um, It's enough so that they know that We are still thinking about them. We haven't dropped the ball. Sometimes I'll resend the proposal that we shared. Um, So it's a combination of phone calls and emails and even a dinner. If I can, if we're in the same city or if I'm going to be in the city that they're in, Mm -hmm. letting them know, hey, I'm going to be in D.C., Um, I want to get on your calendar. I'm a, I'm a reach out. I've reached out to you, but I'm also reach out to your administrative assistant. We also need, it's important to know who their support staff is and also building a relationship with that person. So with that particular client, I did all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, and then saw him at a a conference and we sat down and talked about it again. He told me what was going on. Um, he was like, well, send me a message in two weeks. I went ahead and wrote the message that day. Timed it, right? Mm. Scheduled it to go That's out. Good. I think those are the things that make it easy for you, right? Keep you organized. But don't give up until they absolutely say, we're not going to work with you. We cannot work with you. We've abandoned this idea.
1: Mm. That's good. I, I tip all the time as well. I actually love it when people follow up with me. Because most of the time I'm just like mm-hmm. doing a million things. Like I said, it's things I'm, I'm genuinely interested in person and buying or whatever like that. Um, and when they follow up, I love it. Because it's just that constant reminder, like, hey, we got to get this thing done. Mm-hmm. um ooh, this is so good. All right, um, what other pieces of the sales process should people know about or kind of be focused on?
0: So I think knowing when you're going from like the question that we talked about. So we got these situational questions, um, clarifying questions, consequence questions, outcome questions, um, I call problem and probing questions, like mm-hmm. what is the real problem, and then transition. And so when I get to the point where I'm looking to transition from my questioning and being more of a consultant that's listening, I'm ready to start figuring out how do we cl- get closer to close. Mm-hmm. So So you've listened to your client, you understand what their problems are. So let's transition into me telling you how we can help you solve those problems. Right. And I use a combination of experiences and solutions that we provided for other companies that are similar, not Mm -hmm. the same, because everybody thinks that their situation is different, Different. even in the same industries. They think that my employees are different. (laughs) Everybody's special and unique, but they really aren't, right? They are special and unique Mm -hmm. to themselves and and in their own particular way, but We have those solutions, and so we share those things with them. We give them real examples, right? And I try to do this without fancy proposals and charts and graphs, because just like our conversation, people want to be talked to. They first want to be listened to, and then they want to be talked to, right? So I'm telling them how we can solve them, Um, and I give them clear examples. And... Things that we've heard from other employers and what their employees have said after they've experienced our solutions, oh. and so then that's where I'm really in the sales process. It's just like when you go out and buy a car, they're gonna listen to what you want, and then as soon as you slide into them bucket seats, what happens? They're gonna tell you this is how you how you gonna feel riding in this car every day, the reliability of it, and so I'm giving yeah. them all the benefits of working with us because. There's a lot of people out here that think they're doing exactly what we're doing, but we prove to them every day, starting in the sales process, why our experience, their experience with us is going to be different. That's good. We know your employees because we were them. Right. I used to work in public accounting. So that's the other part. And then we get to the close. I try to close as quickly as possible. Now, the close might not necessarily mean that I'm going to send them a contract. The close is getting a commitment. Mm. A commitment that we will have either another conversation about this and bring other stakeholders within our organization in to talk about it. Or the close is we are going to sign a contract. We just need to work out the details a little bit more. Who we want to train, who we want to coach, what strategies do we really want to to address in our organization. And then it's time to deliver. So it's not as cumbersome as people think it is. It's just a matter of one, doing that initial research. Who are your client, who's the client, the potential client or the prospect, who the contacts are, and make sure you are talking to either a person who can approve the buying or the buyer. Because a lot of times people talking to people that have no authority. And that's what you got to figure out who those are. Mm.
1: Mm -mm, That's good. When they're talking to these business corporations, um, uh, what should they be looking at to help overcome objections? Ooh. Because I'm sure you hear
0: it a lot of time, right? It's not in the budget right now or, you know. Um, <laughs> that's when with, my consequence questions come in. Mm. So when they start talking about, oh, that's a little bit more than we expected to spend, I will quickly say, well, well, what, what would happen if you can't solve this problem? And then they'll start saying, well, if we don't solve this, we're going to keep having... Turnover at that year, the two to three year rate, right of a person in our organization has been here two to three years, we're seeing it churn. Yeah. So, well, what? Don't you want to stop that? Don't you want to get them into management so that they'll stay? So I started asking them about the consequences of not solving the problem. Right? Why is. The, the fee more important than the outcome. Remember you said you yeah. wanted your outcome to be that. That's why those probing questions and listening is so important so that you can overcome objections. Cause they've already told you what mm-hmm. the outcome is and why they need to solve the problem. Now you gotta ask them, well, what happens if you don't?
1: And that's good because most people actually don't think that way. They, don't. they, they put the upfront expense over top of the opportunity cost. What happens if I don't take this opportunity? Yeah. And sometimes you need somebody to position that. Yeah. Position that for them.
0: Yeah. So I had a situation happen to me. A client I had already delivered for them um, and got positive feedback. They want us to come and do some work for their partners. So a partner retreat, 45 partners in the firm, Lamar, four women, mostly white and white Hispanics, right? A lot of people don't know it as white Latinos Hispanics. So down in South Florida. And we sent our proposal. They said they got proposals from other people. Our proposal was higher. Mm. They called and said, uh, had a woman call me. Uh, she's a partner in the firm. She's like, I really hate to ask you this, but our CEO wants to know, can you reduce our rate? We got proposals that were less than yours. I said, have you ever heard those people speak before? Have they ever delivered for you? No, but they came highly recommended. Um, and I said, well, what, were their, what was the rate that they, they sent it in? They told me the rate. And then they said, oh, and he also wants to see, do you have like a white man on your staff mm. that can deliver too? Um, just to be in a the room. They just want to make sure that the men, that they're going to listen, right? They're going to take action. And I said, well, no, I don't.
1: <laughs>
0: and I won't be bringing anybody. And I cannot reduce my fee. I said, y'all have already experienced us. You've seen the feedback. You know that I can speak to this, right? I held my ground. And it's like, well, we want to do more work with you next year. And we got another thing we want you to do. I said, let's do this. If there's no impact, I'll give you a refund, 100%. Mm. That's how I knew. Before I left, they offered me a job twice. They was like, "Will you come work. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the sales process too. So even when you're delivering, you are still selling. Like a lot of people, I think they lose their momentum and they deliver their product or service and then they out. Right? I I got the check, it's been deposited in my account. But even in that delivery process, that is really your final step. in the sales process, because it should start you selling again. You should go f- from step five back to step one. Mm.
1: So, th- you know, as you're saying this, I'm just seeing all of the parallels. And I like to point them out, because again, um, like you said, hey, you're going to clients and they're saying like, you know, my thing is different, right? They're in Atlanta, I'm in yeah. Chicago, you know, yeah. we may have the same type of thing, but it's totally different because right. the regional or, or whatever it is. like people always think it's different but what you're talking about is the same thing that works for products and works for services. Like a lot of the framework you laid down is the same framework for B2C, mm-hmm. right? You talked about lead generation. Yeah. You talked about, you know, listening to what the problem is, providing solutions based on the problem, overcoming objections. Um, You know um, I'm crafting an offer That fits the needs Yeah the that people. irresistible You're talking about Risk removal Yes you told them like Hey you know what Like you know On, on somebody's shop I say maybe a 30 day Money back guarantee You're talking like Hey I told them like Hey if I come down there And I don't deliver <laughs> Like this is what We can do to remove The risk from you Yeah And to say that I stand behind this product Whether the product Is a product or service Yourself or whatever yeah. I stand behind it that much Yeah um, So again right It's like for all The people listening I think what's important and what I want them to take away is, um, our mind a lot of times tricks us into saying, it's not a conversation for me. And then it like shuts down. And there's so many nuggets that we can pick up to where instead what our mind um, should be saying is, how can I make this conversation for me? Like, even if it doesn't seem like the parallels are there, taking the pieces of it and applying it to whatever we do and how we do it.
0: Yeah, and it's all a mind game. You gotta change your mentality about it. But again, you have to know, what your products and services can do and in the, in the solutions that they can provide. Not just, oh, I got this lotion or I got these corporate gifts. What is that corporate gift going to make those employees feel and experience from the employees, right? We got a morale issue in our organization. What is your box gonna do to change that morale for our employees? And I think that's the thing people don't really understand. They don't know what their, their problem is solving. Um, and those consumers are the same as they are if you found them on the street or if they walked into your store. Um, so, And I think if we remove the term like sales, I'm not selling. Yep. I'm building my business. So this is business development. We're prospecting. We're building client relationships. I love it. All right. If the people want more information on you, they want to get their hands on your red hot book. Right. Oh, yeah. Like how should they, <laughs> how can I they find you I online? I forgot about or that. So when I am not closing <laughs> deals, um, and I'll tell you, closing deals are my favorite thing. It, mm. you know what it's like, yep. right? That, that adrenaline rush, yes. like you done closed the deal. Um, when I'm not doing that I am the author of the book Unstuck and Unstoppable is a career development book so you can go to Amazon or you can come to our website unstuckandunstoppablebook.com and get a copy you can also find me on all social media platforms as Janine K. Brown um, and my website is also janinebrown.com
1: alright awesome I love it thanks so much Thank you. for coming today and sharing this information and again I want you to just just take action like, like, literally, there were enough actionable nuggets in today from Janine that you could actually take, begin to implement immediately so you can start to see success and move into a new lane of business that maybe you hadn't even thought about before. I hope you enjoyed today's show. We drop new episodes every single week, so make sure you subscribe and turn on notifications. Enjoy the next episode.